0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the FO News Show. My name is Kale Clinton. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jackson Roberts. Jackson, very tough week to be doing this. If you guys are here, you likely know the most pressing story that's taken over the NFL world over the last 48 hours. 8.55 p.m. on Monday night. Buffalo Bills cornerback, Damar Hammond, collapsed onto the field. After a collision with Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins, it was later confirmed that Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest following the collision. NFL immediately snaps into an emergency action plan and brings an ambulance onto the field. Hamlin required uh, defibrillation and CPR in order to be resuscitated. He was resuscitated one more time upon arriving at University of Cincinnati Medical Center, a level one trauma center, um, about two miles from the Bengals' facilities. Uh, Once the ambulance had left the field, uh, players were potentially asked to participate in a five-minute warm-up before resuming play. However, Bengals coach Zach Taylor came across the field to speak with Bills coach Sean McDermott, and after brief deliberation, they had mutually agreed to bring both their teams into the locker room where the game was later postponed and the bills flew home later that night. What we currently know now, according to Hamlin's uncle, Jordan Rooney, uh, via ESPN's Coley Harvey, Hamlin remains in the ICU currently, still in critical condition. Hamlin was intubated and put under uh, in order to put a breathing tube in. He's currently on a ventilator and cannot breathe on his own. However, in the two days since first- going under and having the procedure formed on him, Hamlin has gone from receiving 100% oxygen from a ventilator to receiving 50%. The Bills have finally held team meetings for the first time and walkthroughs since the injury. There has been an incredible, incredible outpouring of support for Hamlin uh, outside of, you know, Small gestures from teams, all 32 teams around the league, changing their logo to Pray for Hamlin. Number three, graphics on social media. They have also been a major, major outpouring of support from players uh, and uh, members of the league alike uh, in supporting Hamlin's GoFundMe. Uh, The current GoFundMe is based on a uh, community toy drive that Hamlin held. The original goal of $2,500 has now exceeded 6 million with donations from Robert Kraft, Tom Brady, uh, George Kittle, uh, Andy Dalton, uh, just an outpouring, outpouring of support. In addition, Hamlin's Jersey sales have been leaving all sports on fanatics.com. All proceeds from Hamlin's Jersey are going to said charity. Uh, that's the latest we have from now, Jackson, uh, harrowing, harrowing stuff in an unprecedented uh, event from the league.
1: Yeah, I, you, you touched on it at the end there, Kale. This is quite literally something that none of us have really come to terms with yet or, or really seen in our history uh as football fans, sports fans in general. Obviously, there have been tragedies in sport before and we certainly hope to avoid a tragedy here. We we still have lots of hope that DeMar Hamlin will make a full recovery. And the number one thing that we care about right now is his health, uh, but certainly uh, just leaves the sport in a position that I don't think we've ever seen them before. Uh, lots of talks about how can the league go on after something like this happens right on the field uh, in front of everyone, the world worldwide audience, Monday Night Football, uh, it's a really tough scene. But I am really encouraged by the outpouring of support across the league. Uh, I think that like humanity always shows the best of itself at times like this. And obviously there have been uh, a few instances of people who I'm not gonna name who have said very insensitive things on television, on social media. um, And you know, it doesn't doesn't do any good to give those people oxygen, but the mass outpouring of support uh, and also the work um, from the Monday night football crew from, uh, ESPN's breaking news team after the game was postponed, I thought was incredible. Um, bringing to light the humanity of the situation when a sports story becomes a news story. Uh, that's the tough part of the job. Um, you know, it's, it's gotta be all about just staying on and delivering the news and doing it in a humanizing way. And I thought that, uh, Lisa Salters, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, um, Booger McFarland, uh, that entire ESPN team, and then Scott Van Pelt and Ryan Clark afterwards did an incredible job of that. Uh, And pretty much everyone else that I've seen on live television have done a great job as well. Uh, And all the reporters on the ground, I thought, have done a great job as well uh, in Cincinnati. So all of our thoughts, of course, with Damar Hamlin right now, Um, good to hear today that there are signs of progress, although we don't know what tangibly those signs are. Uh, The outlook seems more positive. Obviously, the league still plans to roll into week 18. And at some point in this show, we'll get back to talking about other stories around the league in week 18. But I think right now, um, everyone rightfully is still processing uh, what's going on and is um, sending, first and foremost, their full support to Mar Hamlin's way. And I think that's what we're trying to do here as well, is obviously cover this story but uh primarily say that you know we hope that this continues to progress in a positive direction and that uh we've been really touched and impressed by the outpouring of support across the league yes absolutely uh first off again i I just
0: want to echo uh the coverage from espn uh was really uh really strong i i think especially uh as he said uh, Joe Buck, Lisa Salter, uh, reporting in the moment, uh, giving us kind of the breakdown of the latest as things are going on. Uh, it, it was a it was a tough position for uh, you know Shelley Schefter, Booger, uh, that halftime crew to be put into. Uh, I think they handled it as best they could. Uh, Booger, uh, I think especially uh, did a really good job putting it into uh, words and a perspective of a former player. Scott Van Pelt and Ryan Clark, especially afterwards, uh, did a good job as well. I'd like to issue a brief correction. Uh, I had referred to uh, Jordan Rooney as Hamlin's uncle. Uh, Rooney is Hamlin's family friend and marketing rep. Uh, Hamlin's uncle is Dorian Glenn. Uh, uh, Was also just uh, he has been speaking uh, to the media as well. Uh, Had said there is positive uh positive momentum uh in his recovery, but the family is still uh continuing to pray and is in great hands with the medical team. They've been doing he said they've been doing a tremendous job. Uh we don't have much on Hamlin at present uh beyond what we've delivered here currently. Uh but we are Jackson currently in sort of an unprecedented uh moment from the league uh really interesting to see uh the league's response. I had mentioned the uh five minute warm up uh it's something that Joe Buck didn't say off cuff during the broadcast uh he had said it on four separate occasions uh and said at one point uh this is what I'm hearing from the league. this is what I'm hearing from the field uh it was pretty well corroborated when Troy Vincent spoke. Uh, Later, Monday night, um, sort of in the early, uh, like just around 1130 midnight, uh, he brings up the NFL's emergency action plan, but it also specifically mentioned the five-minute mark, uh, totally denying it and saying that uh, resuming the game wasn't even uh, on the table. Uh, The exact quote was, frankly, the competitive aspect never crossed my mind, never crossed our mind internally. Uh, Vincent said adding the goal was to get a quote pulse on how the players and coaches were dealing with the situation. However, in later texts revealed by ESP, er, uh, revealed by one Andrew Marchand, uh, ESPN stands by the report that they said. There's constant communication in real time between ESPN and league and game officials as a result of that. We reported what we were told in the moment and immediately updated fans as new information was learned. Uh, This was an unprecedented rapidly evolving circumstance all night long. We refrained from speculation. Uh, uh, Listen, Jackson, I won't be one to speculate, but it really seems like in my eyes uh, the coaches were the ones that really stepped up and, uh, you know, looked out for the best interest of their players in this given moment. And this is now uh, just the third time in NFL history that games have been either canceled or postponed uh, for uh, non weather or field related issues.
1: Yeah. There's, there's no speculation going on here. Um, ESPN, would not put something like that on the air if they didn't have communication from the the personnel in charge of the event that something like that was going on. TV cameras showed live that Joe Burrow was loosening up his arm, throwing the ball. Stefan Diggs was uh, talking to his teammates in a huddle, um, looking as if he was trying to get them fired back up. Like there was definitely at some point uh, communication that the game was going to resume. And in my eyes and yours, too, uh, it was pretty clear that Taylor approaching McDermott and the coaches saying something and stepping in stopped it. Whether I mean, I don't also dispute that Troy Vincent himself wasn't trying to, you know, get on a walkie talkie and get the game resumed. But something in the protocols existed to say that the game was going to resume at some point. And I think uh, to broaden that out, that is a lot of what... Um, you know, whether it was Ryan Clark and Scott Van Pelt who talked about this or, or others online, the league exists to a point where it's supposed to sustain itself and keep going no matter how awful things get on the field. We've seen, you know, instances of life um, or instances of paralysis or other head trauma suffered mid-game and people are taken to the hospital and the game goes on. Uh, And that's usually how it works. And it took something of this magnitude of cardiac arrest to to put a pin in that. Uh, And I think therein lies part of the problem is that, you know, the NFL is meant to be, you know, these players are larger than life. And they, like Ryan Clark says, they have the rhetoric of like, you go out there and you go to war and you put your life on the line. But obviously um, nobody expects to not come home from a football game. Uh, Every player the number one thing that should be preserved is their livelihood. And in a situation like this, where a livelihood hangs in the balance, uh, the league certainly has, it's not like you can prevent something like that from happening where it is just really a a shock trauma incident of somebody getting hit in the exact wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, And I mentioned to you yesterday, Kale. obviously the NFL has an increased risk of that, but it could happen in any sport has happened in hockey before. Uh, you can envision a scenario where it would happen in, in other American professional sports, but, um, the NFL certainly has not had to come to a reckoning like this before, uh, and handling it moving forward and, and getting the teams back on the field, uh, with increased heightened sensitivity is going to be objective. Number one, uh, to not force players into something they're not comfortable with in dealing with the shock of this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, uh, You know, it's a uh, it's a rare but inherent risk uh, to playing this game. Uh, You had mentioned an incident in hockey that happened in the early 90s. Uh, I'd seen a story of in this same city as Cincinnati, uh, a baseball umpire by the name of John McSherry uh, dying of cardiac arrest in 1996. Uh, It's, you know, the heart is the heart is a very delicate instrument that keeps us alive and it's nothing to be trifled with. Uh, now we don't have much more uh to say about Damar hamlin uh there is uh, not much more we can say at the moment there are some reports of uh Hamlin potentially have lasting lung damage uh, we've given you what we can about uh the information we have on uh hamlin's current well-being with the ventilator uh, it seems that uh, hamlin is taking a turn for the better but it you know, remains to be seen. And as always, uh, you know, just as ESPN did, just as shows uh, this past week did, we will prioritize uh, the life and health of Hamlin before we talk about something very much secondary, which is the football product, which is the football aspect of this game. Uh, but as of now, uh, there are no scheduling changes with the NFL. So there's still, Uh, news from the league to cover. Once again, I will plug uh, Hamlin's GoFundMe, uh, which you can find there. Again, uh, Hamlin's Jersey sales will also go to that charity uh, if you're so inclined to purchase one. Uh, But uh, to the actual game itself that was postponed on Monday, there are no current plans to play the contest, at least this week and the league has made no alterations uh, to the week 18 schedule, which we'll get to in a little bit. But per report from Adam Schefter, there's one person in the league office, according to Schefter, who says the game is, quote, bad mojo and should probably just be ruled no contest. The other option Schefter presented was uh, to use the one-week cushion provided by the Pro Bowl. Now, there are scenarios, Jackson, where either Kansas City or Buffalo can clinch the one seed without playing that game. Kansas City would need a win and a Buffalo loss. Buffalo would need a win, a Kansas City loss, and a Cincinnati loss. However, there's no way for Cincinnati to get the one seed without having played that game from Monday night. So depending on the results of this week, there still might be some wrinkles in there to the schedule, but there's no news yet. So <laughs> we probably won't see uh, until we see the results from this week, which is pretty frustrating.
1: Yeah. But as, as I've said, and and as uh, I think is most important, it's hard to even start thinking about playing these games this week, uh, especially if you are, Buffalo or Cincinnati. And one thing that I uh, think should be mentioned even more than we have so far is that uh, whether it's been media personalities or just people online attacking T Higgins for this play, uh, saying that he was in any way responsible, uh, that absolutely is unacceptable and should not be happening. And uh, whether it's seeing T Higgins leave the stadium with his mother uh, looking distraught, or even just the rest of the Bengals being in the stadium witnessing that situation, uh, playing their next game is going to take a toll on them as well. In addition to obviously how it's going to be difficult for Buffalo to go on without one of their brothers on the field. So, number one thing is focusing on uh, just like the daily evolving situation with Demar Hamlin and figuring out uh, how players can can you know come to grips with it and potentially start thinking about playing this week. And then we'll worry about larger scenarios down the road. But, uh, you know, we, we talked, I I saw Dion Dawkins on sports center last night in a great interview with Kevin Nagandi. Um, and he was basically just trying to uh, illuminate the mental state of his team and saying that nobody was even thinking about this game yet. How could we possibly be thinking about additional scenarios with the one seed? Um, further down the road. And I know that uh, the type of people that are um, you know, in the K- Kansas City organization, uh, coaches, leaders on that team, same with Cincinnati, are, are going to be more concerned about that than uh, competitive advantages for the playoffs. So I think the players and teams have their priorities in the right place with worrying about uh, mental states and then putting their thoughts towards Tamar Hamlin as opposed to worrying about who gets the one seed. Uh, and that's something that will be dealt with in due time uh but certainly this week uh is what's going to happen first before we get into any scenarios of how or when that game may or may not be taken into account yeah again absolutely the priority
0: of hamlin and the well-being of the other players who not only participated in the game but you know witnessed the play itself uh should absolutely take priority the league is granted uh, uh a bit of a grace period to both Buffalo and New England uh, where neither will uh, have to participate in uh, any sort of media availability uh, until tomorrow. Uh, it's a small grace period, but it's one nonetheless. Uh, and again, everything that we talk about in the, uh, in the rest of the show from here on out uh, will be secondary. Uh, will be absolutely secondary uh, to the primary story uh, of Hamlin's health, uh, players' well-being, uh, and just a uh a life n- nearly lost from the game of football. Hamlin's not out of the woods yet. Uh he still remains in critical condition, still remains in the ICU. However, uh reports from uh Rooney from Hamlin's family uh remain positive and have uh continued to show uh signs of recovery. Uh, We wish nothing but the best uh, for Hamlin and nothing but a speedy recovery uh, for Hamlin. But we do have to continue on uh, with the rest of the news today. And that begins with the NFL schedule for Week 18. Uh, Currently what we have up for grabs, uh, the AFC North title and the AFC South title uh, have yet to be determined. And both the one seeds and seven seeds in both conferences uh, will be decided this week. We had already mentioned the scenario uh, for the AFC one seed. Uh, Cincinnati is not only affected by the uh, one seed race, but also the AFC North race. uh, Because when presented the schedule, uh, Cincinnati-Baltimore was labeled a flex game Uh, depending on the outcome uh, that would determine when Cincinnati and Baltimore played either at one o'clock or four o'clock. And because of the results of the game, the league has yet to announce uh, what time either team is playing Uh, the games that we do know uh, Saturday will feature two games, one between uh, Kansas city and Las Vegas in the 4. PM slot, And the battle for the AFC South title between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans played at 8 p.m. on Saturday night. Uh, The rest of the league's races, uh, New England Buffalo and New York Jets at Miami Dolphins will take place simultaneously at 1 p.m. on Sunday for the NFC 7 seed. Seattle, L.A. will take place at 4 p.m while Sunday night football will be Detroit Green Bay. And we'll get into some of those scheduling choices, I guess, is the right word, Jackson. Should,
1: should be noted as well that uh, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, with Pittsburgh also being alive for the seven seed will also take place at 1 p.m. Sunday. Thank you for the addition. Jackson,
0: some interesting choices. Uh, Mate, let's start with that Saturday slate. Uh, Tennessee obviously coming off a Thursday night week 17 game against the dallas cowboys uh while jacksonville did play sunday uh jaguars head coach doug peterson previously petitioned the nfl to play on sunday and apparently it was the first choice for a sunday night football game uh before nbc had turned it down a uh, bit of a uh mismatch competitively for uh For both teams involved, Tennessee was obviously going to come in with a rest advantage, but regardless, bit of a short turnaround for the Jaguars.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just the objectively wrong decision for competitive balance. It affects many teams here in this scenario. It affects Jacksonville and Tennessee, but it also affects all the teams fighting for the NFC seven seed uh, who will touch on their scenario a bit more in depth now, but um, there's no reason that those games should not be played simultaneously, but NBC essentially saying that we need the green Bay game for our ratings, uh, and, and messing with the competitive structure of week 17. And, uh, that, that obviously is just wrong. And I know that the NFL is an entertainment business first, and we've never questioned that on this show, but, uh, this is just wrong. Like it should not have, should not have shaken out this way. Um, now, should Jacksonville be woe is me, um, you know, excuses, et cetera? Absolutely not, because this is a situation where you're in a win and in, you're hosting the game, and you're facing a backup quarterback uh, who was not only third string, but not on the active roster until a week ago. So certainly still have all the opportunity in front of them and should be focused on winning this game. Uh, but. Not only from their perspective, um, from the NFL's perspective, which is you know we want that Sunday night game to be a true win and in where no other teams are affected, and both teams have every reason to be competitive. That was the only choice for this game. Uh, we can move into talking about the NFC seven seed off of that. Green Bay and Seattle, uh, or Green Bay and Detroit, will play that Sunday night game. Detroit. Will not know until the end of the Seattle game, which is in that 425 window, uh, whether or not they still have hope for the playoffs. So very plausible that Seattle wins that game against the five win L.A. Rams and Detroit takes the field, having just learned that their season is over uh, and the Seattle will need them to win that game in order to make the playoffs. So puts Seattle at a disadvantage, puts Detroit at a disadvantage puts Green Bay at a big advantage, which knows that if it wins that game, they're in no matter what. Uh, So definitely ratings take precedence over uh, making it a fair and level playing field for all teams, because if you're doing this from a fairness standpoint, uh, there's no excuse for Seattle, LA and Green Bay, Detroit to be played at the same time, to not be played at the same time.
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting case uh, laid out. First off, before uh, we get in, to that NFC wild card I do want to mention uh, Jacksonville and Tennessee did take two uh separate approaches to a week 17 game that essentially uh did not really have bearing uh not really have any meaning uh Tennessee especially uh with the additional rest time uh elected to sit players like Derrick Henry and a couple of players on their defensive side uh to not participate in Week 17, they get some extra days off. Doug Peterson, on the other hand, did not bench and decided to play all of his players uh, in a uh, trouncing of the Houston Texans on
1: Sunday. Uh, it's well, like, Just to butt in, though, there is a scenario where Jacksonville loses this game but uh, a new England loss and a Miami loss and a Pittsburgh loss all puts Jacksonville in as the seven seed at eight and nine. Uh, and Doug Peterson, unlike certain other coaches in the league was aware of all the potential playoff scenarios and elimination scenarios uh, to where he knew that that game could still, whether it was a 1% chance or 10 or whatever, have bearing on his playoff seating and played the game accordingly to win the football game, which is, you know, can respect Tennessee not doing it because they didn't have that chance, whatever, but effectively penalizing Jacksonville by putting them on Saturday after playing all their starters uh, is another thing that just should not have happened. Yes.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to not have set times for week 18, like hyper flexing everything. Is, is a is a pretty bizarre uh
1: trait of the week 18 schedule but it does uh, exist it does exist to create competitive balance yes and and then they've used it
0: to not use it the other way they've used it the opposite way to feature the most meaningful games uh in the most impactful windows uh We'll see where that uh, matchup between the Baltimore Ravens and Cincinnati Bengals sort of falls. Uh, I sure we'll get that news at some point. Uh, likely either later today or early tomorrow. It's got to be made at some point.
1: And, and uh, just but in one more time, the one thing that we should have mentioned at the top for that game is that the only way it can impact the AFC North final standings is if. Cincinnati and Buffalo gets resumed and Cincinnati loses. Uh, Otherwise Cincinnati does clinch the AFC North and that game doesn't matter.
0: Yes. Yes, you are right. For the, for the division title, it certainly matters for Cincinnati's seating. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Baltimore's for that matter. Yeah. Uh, Because (laughs) if they win, if they win the game, Cincinnati is really from a, just a, a purely scheduling standpoint, Cincinnati has by far the widest range of outcomes, uh, could fall anywhere from the one to three seed or the five seed, uh, depending on the inco- uh, outcome of the last uh, two games. Uh, let's move on from scheduling talk. Uh, I, I could do a whole little bit about uh, you know, the Dan Campbell kneecap biters. I'd arguably say even equally motivated uh, to voice spoiler against the Packers as they would be to get the seven seed. Yeah,
1: uh, But I do, I do want to touch on that though, because I've heard people make that argument uh, saying that, you know, Dan Campbell will get his guys motivated no matter what. And I'm not questioning that at all, but it is inherently a much different situation to spend all day, not knowing if your game matters and knowing that by the time the game kicks off, you will know, you will have those results in front of you. That is a much different emotional situation to put players in than, okay, we'll play the game and then we'll figure out afterwards if our results mattered or not. Uh, and objectively, the second one is easier to prepare for emotionally, makes more sense to prepare for emotionally, and gives the team a better chance uh, to win the game from a competitive standpoint. So again, just just wrong to have them uh, be put in a situation where they could potentially learn that their season is over 20 minutes before they step on the field and go play, whether or not they're saying all the right things. Uh, it is inherently just not good for their competitive mindset to have that in front of them. Will be great if they know they are alive, but that requires a Seattle losing to Baker Mayfield and the Rams.
0: Yeah. I wonder how they do that. Like there's a lot of different ways. You throw the blinders on. Do you like shut off all the TVs and like don't let people find
1: out either way? they are gonna so to know. It
0: puts them in a bad spot. It puts them yeah. in a bad I mean, spot. It's, it's, well, the it's the era.
1: There's hundreds of people in the organization. News travels fast. They're gonna know. It's just impossible yes. I'm not to. Yes.
0: One <laughs> moving on to a team who doesn't really have uh anything to play for after a uh a unique decision uh, by uh, Washington. I almost forgot the team name. Washington Commanders head coach Ron Rivera uh, elected to play Carson Wentz in week 17 to provide a spark for the team. Uh, That didn't go well. Uh, 16 for 28 through for 140-something yards and three interceptions in a loss to the Cleveland Browns. Rivera later found out apparently says he didn't, but may have found out uh, that that loss with a win by green Bay eliminates them from playoff contention. Uh, after that news, Carson Wentz now benched Sam Howell. Now the starter for week 18 against the Dallas Cowboys confirmed this show by NFL networks, Tom Palisero or Palisero. uh, Commanders will feature both Howell and Heineke, potentially, but this will be the first game reps that we see from Sam Howell since preseason. Commanders drafted Howell, 5th round, 144th overall. Jackson. Commanders could play spoiler for the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas obviously still vying for that one seed after New Orleans upset victory over the Philadelphia Eagles in week 17. Need a few things to go their way for it to happen. But they've now got an interesting wrinkle in playing former UNC quarterback Sam Howell. And...
1: I think he's frozen. Oh, he's back. Um, you may want to rephrase the, the final bit of that question there, Kale. I didn't quite catch it. Oh was just going to say they've now got an interesting wrinkle
0: in Dallas, you uh, know, you know, former UNC quarterback Sam Howell, but for a larger question, what is Washington what's Washington doing at the quarterback position? To so get a little bit of levity in here. This is
1: yeah, this is a mess. I don't I don't think they've known from the jump uh, when they decided to spend a second round pick on Carson Wentz, essentially making the same mistake that uh, Indianapolis had made the year before and uh, watching what had transpired at the end of Indianapolis season after Wentz had put up passable numbers in a uh, you know pretty low grade AFC South the entire year beforehand uh, melting against a uh, number one overall picking Jacksonville team in week 18 um, and and you know hand up to both of us Kale we we came on uh, the was it the takeaway or this show last week? I think it was this show and said that we were okay with the move to start Wentz against Cleveland. So uh, we can't just come on here and and endlessly bash it now when we did say that, you know, it had our, our stamp of approval, uh, but it obviously blew up in their face and it was a risky play. We certainly acknowledge that. Ron Rivera, uh, if, if in any way it factored into his decision, that he thought they would still be alive no matter what happened, then that's inexcusable. I don't mean to assume that that is what happened, but if it did, and if he thought, okay, we'll get Wentz in here, even if we lose, we still got a chance with a win next week, then that is just an unforgivable uh, move by a head coach to not know that his team could be eliminated this week. And it certainly sounds like he was playing as if he wasn't factoring in the potential of a loss, which, you know, I get that mentality, but you still have to put it in the back of your mind in some way when you're game planning, so that that can't happen. There are many things that I wish we could laugh more about, about this Commander's team right now. Certainly the announcement of hog mascot Major Tutty comes to the front of my mind. Um, no, we can, in, we can smile about Major Tutty. Come on. Major Tutty is awesome. Uh, yeah. In concurrence with the uh, announcement from The Hogs, the former offensive lineman from the Washington uh, football franchise, uh, who are now going under the name of O-Line Entertainment and whose attorney has said that they will have no choice but to sue if the commanders go forward with a mascot as a Hog, and yet the commanders trot out Major Tutty uh, along with a fact sheet. Uh, He is apparently 6'5", 230, very imposing Hog. Uh, He is... uh, He's a prankster and a foodie, according to the press release. Um, like, <laughs> this, is, he wears, this is the first time hearing that. He wears that number double zero awesome. because that is the shape of a hog's nose. Um, like, this is really incredible comedic timing from the Washington <laughs> Commanders at the moment. He's a foodie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> He's a prankster and a foodie. Yeah. Oh my, (laughs) I'm sorry. Let me gather myself. Washington is the only team with two qualified quarterbacks with a DVOA of negative 10% or worse. Uh, Vince Verhi also did a great write-up called how low can Sam Ellinger and the Colts go Uh, talking about their uh, poor performance trio Depending on how Sunday shakes out, uh, we may have a second hat in that ring. Uh, although Howell will only have one game under his belt as a rookie. Uh, a very, very interesting end, uh, potentially to an era in uh, Washington. Uh, because I don't, I'm not sure that Ron Rivera makes it out of this.
1: Yeah, I I certainly know that Carson Wentz isn't your starter next year, and I don't know what becomes of Carson Wentz's career, but I certainly think the days of giving up a second-round pick in order to try and find the second win for Carson Wentz will have come to an end. You never know with uh, the way some of these teams treat the quarterback position, how desperate they might become, but certainly not looking like that's going to happen. And, yeah, I mean, I think what's transpired the past few weeks, we certainly like Ron Rivera, the person uh, were inspired by his uh, victorious battle with cancer a couple years ago. And Absolutely. he certainly was uh, a guiding hand for that team in the middle of, you know, many instances of scandal, name changes, uh, you know, periods where the franchise was in a bad light in the public eye. And he was uh, sort of a calling influence there. And I certainly think he deserves lots of recognition for that. But that's not, you know, that doesn't guarantee your job for next year when the team's ultimate goal is to win football games. So we certainly will keep our eye on that potential uh, coaching change within the next few weeks. Yeah, Riverbro, Ron, been through a lot. Uh, I, I think he gets, a,
0: you know, maybe not another head coaching opportunity, but I think he gets some, uh, you know, next opportunity in football. Let's move on to our injury segment. Speaking of Changes at quarterback go down to Miami, where the Dolphins are currently preparing to be without both Tua Tongawailoa and Teddy Bridgewater. Tongawailoa has already uh, been ruled out of Sunday's contest. Head coach Mike McDaniel said Tua is not a part of the team's game plan uh, going forward. Teddy Bridgewater has uh, dislocated. Uh, One of his fingers on his throwing hand It came while trying to tackle Kyle Duggar on a pick six Uh, was removed from the game. After that, it was believed to be broken uh, now considered dislocated team is going forward with uh, assuming that Skylar Thompson will be the starting quarterback and to kind of not hedge their bets, but to get a backup quarterback in the building, offensive signed to Mike Glennon, uh, Jackson, Buddy, listen, we, we, we laugh about the uh, commanders because it's a bit of a, you know, especially the news of week 17. It's a, it's a bit a little like Michael Scott doing the snip, snap, snip, snap thing. It's just a, it's a, it's a much tougher story in Miami. Uh, two are going down Teddy Bridgewater out down to their third string with their playoff lives against the New York jets. Uh, in week 18?
1: Yeah. I mean, you think about where this team was five weeks ago. They're eight and three. They're dominating. They're the number uh, two offense, I think it was, by DVOA at the time. Uh, Tua, for much of the year, was the number one quarterback by DVOA, and everything's going their way. Uh, and that 49ers game kind of changes a lot of things. And then certainly uh, Tua is another person. While we're not, you know, imminently concerned about his health situation, we certainly hope long-term that he uh, doesn't suffer lasting damage from what he's gone through all season. Teddy Bridgewater, I really feel for as well. Uh, He still this year has not gotten to start and finish a game, um, play it all the way through. He comes in halfway through that Cincinnati game the following week. He's slated to start and gets hurt almost immediately in the loss to the jets is unable to play or isn't the start of the following week against the Vikings does play some of the game, but not all. Then Tua comes back. And as he gets hurt again, we sort of talked about it on our last show, how we were you know, hopeful that Bridgewater would get to start and finish this game for the first time all season. And then uh, you know, the dislocated finger happens and that goes out the window could have still very much won that game. I believe it was either. Well, he, he does throw the pick to go behind. Uh, and I think he actually hurt himself the play before, uh, and then got exacerbated by trying to tackle Kyle Duggar. But I think there was ample evidence that it was the previous throw where his finger nicked something, and that led to the dislocation. So you feel for him for uh, not being able to get through that game either. And, you know, up to up in the air whether he plays this week, but I think what we've seen from Skylar Thompson is that uh, it greatly diminishes their odds of making the playoffs and winning this game getting the help they need in the form of a New England loss if Skylar Thompson has to play
0: yeah it's uh <sighs>
1: it is interesting that both uh
0: both teams need that uh New England loss to get it and basically comes down to uh you know it, it's a win to stay alive uh sort of situation for both Miami and New York uh well, 50, New, york's
1: done. New york's done
0: to be clear are the jets totally out? Jets are out. I thought they still need a knowing uh, a win where there's still a lot. Jets are did out. Not, did not know
1: they were eliminated. Okay. Confirmed, confirmed Jets are done, but they certainly still would love to spoil Miami's season, uh, win both Miami matchups as they uh, took them apart with uh, the, the Bridgewater Thompson uh, combination earlier in the season. But yeah, unfortunately, uh, the Jets' season did come to an end with their loss in Seattle.
0: Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And you are right. I wanted to confirm that from Brian Knowles' uh, seven-seed uh, predictions. Uh, moving on, staying in the state of Florida moving to Tampa Bay. Buccaneers are locked in to the four-seed. But they're getting a little bit of help coming their way. A very banged-up Bucs team. Injuries have kind of been the theme of their entire season. Tackled Donovan Smith. Defensive tackle Vita Vea and quarterback Carlton Davis have all returned to practice this week. Ryan Jensen continues to practice and get healthy while he is not expected to play uh, this week uh, for the Buccaneers. He will likely be available next week for the wild card round when the Buccaneers host the five seed. Jackson. Not a ton to report beyond that, but I do want to ask it. between what you saw from Buccaneers Panthers last week with this additional news of some major impact players coming back, are the Buccaneers a bit of a threat to make a push in this playoffs uh you know yeah. playoff picture?
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, I don't see them as much of a long-term threat in terms of putting together the requisite four wins to win a title. I mean, I certainly won't put anything past Tom Brady, even at 45. But um, any one given game is certainly not one that you can take lightly when you're facing a team with that much veteran experience. Um, I think the most impactful play of the Bucks panthers game for me – was not any of the deep balls that Tom Brady connected on with Mike Evans but it was actually uh, the quarterback sneak touchdown from the one yard line that was sort of a little little signal to me that uh, Tom Brady still you know he's still got a little bit of an extra gear he wasn't necessarily standing in the pocket and taking shots all year long uh, which you know makes sense if you're 45 years old and you know you only have a certain number of bullets left in the tank uh, but, <laughs> You know, when it comes down to it, it, Brady's still Brady. Brady will still be willing to sneak, which historically has been the most effective quarterback sneaking uh, in NFL history, and can still stand in the pocket and deliver the the crosser over the middle uh, or the fifteen yard out with the best of them. So, I'm not necessarily saying that Tampa is a threat to win the NFC or to win the Super Bowl, uh, but if I'm the Cowboys and I'm expecting to get the five seed, unless. The Eagles lose to a Giants team with nothing to play for I'm definitely a little bit more worried about this Tampa team uh, knowing that not only are they getting a little healthier but they may have been just holding a little bit back throughout the season uh with the expectation that they would be in this position and have a little bit more uh, ammo to throw out there in their first round playoff matchup
0: yeah you say the uh you know the QB snake was yours uh, yeah, mine was just Brady uncorking a 63-yard a touchdown to uh, Mike Evans with uh, 50 yards of uh, – or 50 air yards uh, underneath it and hitting Evans in stride. Uh, Brady can still do that at 45, and that's nuts.
1: Kind of um, off his back foot too.
0: But, oh, yeah. No, that was just an insane throw. Uh, one of three uh, touchdown passes to Mike Evans on the day. Jackson, don't have a graphic for this, but it did break early in the show. Uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Robert Quinn have both been activated off of IR for the Eagles. Uh, Jalen Hurts will also be available to play in Week 18. Eagles getting healthy as well, and that is a team that certainly needs the bye to be their best selves, uh, considering they're also missing uh, right tackle Lane Johnson with a torn adductor. Who will put off surgery to make a playoff push? So, couple NFC teams getting a little bit more viable before the playoffs officially kick off.
1: Yeah, I mean the Eagles were uh, were that team right before the uh, before the the Hertz injury and and the past two losses with Gardner Minshew at the helm. I mean they were they were the kings in the castle, and I, I don't necessarily think that they. Uh, should be considered less of a threat once they get all these guys healthy and especially hurts at the at the forefront of the movement. Uh, if he's 100%, they're still absolutely the team to beat in that NFC, despite what we've seen from, you know, Brock Purdy and the Niners and maybe a little bit of a threat from the Cowboys as well. Moving on to Seattle. Uh, fight, again, as
0: we mentioned earlier in the show, Seattle winning in need a packers loss as well but they'll be without starting mike linebacker jordan brooks against the los angeles rams brook terraces acl Jackson seahawks are losing an absolute tackle machine after last year uh last year was his first year as a starter in the seahawks front seven and set Uh, Or, sorry, yeah, set the new single-season franchise record for uh, tackles that was originally set by Bobby Wagner. Uh, Sets a new benchmark with 184. Had 161 tackles on the year. Third in the league behind Foye Aloa'kun and Nick Bolton. Uh, Cody Barton will take over as the mic. And in Barton's place will be Tanner Muse, who is getting his first starter on the defensive side of the ball, was primarily a special teamer beforehand.
1: Yeah, this is a, a Seattle team that I think people had written off for that seven seed. I, I think it was certainly very assumptive of a lot of people to pencil the Jets in as the winner of that week 17 game in Seattle. And Seattle gets to play at home once again this week against the last place, or not last place because Arizona is so bad, but a, a bottoming out Rams team. Uh, with a chance to still make the playoffs if Detroit can get a win. So this hurts uh, and, you know, we'll make it tougher, but you'd certainly love to still take care of business against, as we said, a bottoming out Rams team. Uh, And not that I necessarily think Seattle is a threat to go deep in these playoffs, but they could be a tough out for somebody, especially, you know, Seattle, Minnesota, that that'd be a fun first round matchup. If Seattle were to make it and you want all your chips on the table. So certainly this hurts, but, as I said, you know, don't, don't stop talking about Seattle just yet. Even though, uh, I think Kale, your Seahawks 39 to one Super Bowl pick might be in some jeopardy here, uh, but still a team that we should consider, uh, a piece of the story still to be told in the 2022 season. That's a 59 to one. Oh, excuse me. Back.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jackson, I am in a, uh, I'm in a no lose situation, uh, Every every team I have given uh, some sort of path to success in the playoffs, Uh, like a Week Six staff pick. I bet the or I had the one in five Detroit Lions making the postseason. Uh, I said when Seattle was still leading the division, Jimmy Garoppolo just got hurt. I had said Seattle uh, with uh, plus fifty nine hundred to uh, represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. And during a, any given Sunday uh, when the Packers were three and uh, like three and seven, I think
1: four and six, right before that Tennessee game.
0: Yes. uh, Had said uh, the Packers uh, finally looked like they had a path uh, to the playoffs. If they relied heavily on their run game and leaned more on their defense than their offense. And, Hey, that's kind of been the M.O. for them going forward. So I've got a lot of takes to hang my hat on. (laughs) Hey, it's a good
1: strategy. If you just say everybody could pull it off, then somebody's bound to. Hey, I didn't say everyone, Jackson. (laughs) I've got my three
0: and I'll stick with them. All right. In (laughs) lieu of Thursday night football news, because Thursday night football is no longer a thing. Uh, Amazon has to be thankful that they are uh, (laughs) freed of the burden of hosting uh, mediocre football games, but we get Saturday night football news, two games uh, from uh, Saturday to cover. And let's start with a story that we didn't really uh, give a chance to like fully flesh out because it broke at the tail end of last week's show. And that is, that the Raiders have benched Derek Carr for the final two games of the season and sent him home as to not be a, quote, obvious distraction. Felt only right that we put a bow on this. Carr was dismissed from the team for the final two games. Uh, McDaniel cited offensive performance as the reason and sent Carr home. Uh, Devontae Adams at one point said it doesn't seem like any of The players were very happy about the decision. Adam said specifically Carr was the only reason that he was even in Las Vegas in the first place in lieu of Derek Carr. Raiders go with Jarrett Stidham, uh, former New England Patriots quarterback, former Auburn quarterback. I believe last show I had referred to him as Auburn's finest. And he made Auburn proud. Took the San Francisco 49ers to the absolute brink, and by brink, I just mean overtime. But, hey, a very impressive performance from Mr. Stidham posts. The third-best offensive passing DVOA in a single game for the Raiders this season finishes 23 for 34 for 365 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions, and seven rushes for 34 yards. The Raiders have until mid-February to decide whether they are going to release or trade Mr. Carr. If they do not, they are liable for a $33 million fully guaranteed contract year for Carr. Uh, A fascinating situation for Las Vegas to be in uh, currently. And especially fascinating given the performance by one Jared Siddham.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will say that although you are correct that Stidham took them to the brink, he then delivered the game to the 49ers with a gift wrap on it uh, in the form of an overtime interception that was returned inside the five-yard line. But he did play a very, very good game, better than any of us could have expected before that. So certainly props to Mr. Stidham. Hey, it's his not... first time. It's his first yeah. start, Jackson. But here's no, the he's... thing. Here's the thing. First times are often easier than second times. I mean, we've seen it every time Mike White has come in to a spot start where the first game can go really well. Then, you know, sort of the lack of talent and ability of defense is to figure out what few things you can do well and take those away come more into effect. So I'm not, certainly not expecting Stidham to be the long-term solution for that team. But to go back to Carr, which is obviously the big story, they've made a declaration that he can't be their starter moving forward. So if he remains beyond that February deadline you referenced, uh, and they are on the hook for him in 2023, that's just total incompetence and, you know, no excuse at all for that. They've said, essentially, they've made the public declaration that Derek Carr's done as the starter. So it's now on them to trade him. Uh, And if they can't find a suitable trade partner, then they definitely should not be keeping him on the roster for next year. Um, not that that wouldn't be necessarily the right move had they not benched him, but now that they've made that declaration, they've, they've got to go through on the plan in my opinion.
0: Yeah, this is the end of the car era, uh, in Las Vegas, uh, sort of no matter what the result is, uh, you can't play another down, uh, for this team, given the, uh, given the circumstances, given sort of how it was handled. Uh, Jackson, I'd just like to update you. Uh, or update our listeners on uh, the uh, status of the uh, Bills-Bengals game. Not a ton uh, to note, but uh, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero are currently reporting uh, on a conference call with the league office. Uh, Just two notes I wanted to add before we continue. Uh, NFL executive Troy Vincent said the emergency action plan for DeMar Hamlin was, quote, uh, executed to perfection it gave our brother damar another day to live another chance to fight uh, and according to nfl executive president jeff miller uh there's been no decision on when to resume the bills bengals game uh they're still in consultation and will decide in the coming days however quote that conversation about what we were going to do with that game has begun So, I just wanted to uh, give our listeners and viewers the latest on the story before we continue. Moving on to the Kansas City Chiefs, the Raiders' opponent in Saturday's afternoon game. Uh, Biggest story out cornerback Kansas City, Lamarcus Joyner, sorry, Lamarcus Joyner, LeJarius Sneed is currently day to day with a hip injury, suffered a hip pointer against the Denver Broncos last week. He is currently day-to-day. Snead has been a pretty breakout performer for a Kansas defense that is certainly looking for one. While they've been pretty dominant in the front, Uh, they've left a lot to be desired in the secondary. However, that's pretty well carried by Snead at this point. Kansas City Rex 21st in defensive pass DVOA day-to-day leaves some optimism to be had but depending on the status of the injury and depending on how it lingers could be a tough blow to a Kansas City defense heading into the postseason
1: yeah uh certainly this is the time of year when teams want to stay whole as much as possible and uh, this is uh, an impactful blow, uh, whether or not it impacts him um, in this game, in the postseason, but certainly you're glad that he's, you know, not considered to be lost for the year uh, and came back in the game uh, as noted. So uh, certainly um, impacting him, but not something that you hope will have a major impact on the team. And that's all you can ask for at this point in the year is that teams uh, Mitigate as much as possible injury risk because it is certainly a very violent game. Snead is a do
0: it all guy for the yep. chiefs uh, leads the team with three interceptions, three forced fumbles, 11 passes, defensed uh, and also has an additional three and a half sacks in there. Yeah. Uh, an impressive resume for Sneed this season in yes. a, what has been it's- a breakout
1: year. 65 total points saved per uh, Sports Info Solutions data, which is second among all quarterbacks and safeties behind uh, the Jags' Tyson Campbell. Not too shabby. Let's move
0: on to that Sunday game. Before we get to the Jaguars, let's touch on the Titans. Biggest news out of Tennessee's camp is that Joshua Dobbs overtained his starting position for Week 18 Ended up losing 27-13 to the Dallas Cowboys. Dobbs finished 20 for 39 for 232 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Dobbs actually broke a three-game streak of negative performances in Tennessee's offensive passing DVOA. And a 6.7 passing DVOA is their highest since week 12. Replaces Malik Willis, who in three starts this season combined for 234 yards and three interceptions while rushing 20 times for 95 yards. Jackson Willis had not played a game with 100 passing yards uh, this season. Right move to go with Dobbs. Still a very interesting uh, position in the Tennessee in. Tannehill obviously out for the year after undergoing tightrope surgery for a high ankle sprain that he re-aggravated against the Los Angeles Chargers. Josh Dobbs will be fighting for the Tennessee Titans in the battle for the AFC South division title.
1: Yeah, this is is the right decision. Um, You knew going into the season that Malik Willis was a long-term project, uh, that if he was forced into starting duty this year, uh, he wouldn't be necessarily the guy out there in the league who would be giving you the best chance to win but long term you you bet on the talent and I don't think that you're you know this isn't a Zach Wilson scenario where binging Malik Willis in favor of Josh Dobbs means that Malik Willis has no future with the team you know we knew he was a project he's going to continue to be a project uh, the more interesting piece for me um, is the Tannehill bit. bit uh, we know he's done for this season but where does he end up next season, you know, with the option involved, uh, with the, the quarterback market sure to be fast and furious, churning in a way that, you know, perhaps eclipses even last season, which was about as much quarterback movement as we've ever seen. Uh, where does Tannehill fall into that? I don't necessarily have the answer just yet. Uh, and I think that much like with other teams, kind of the the top names at the quarterback market, uh, whether that's you know, at the very top guys like Aaron Rodgers choosing to remain with the Packers and remain in the league to begin with. Uh, And then further down the list, guys like Carr, guys like Jimmy Garoppolo, all that impacts Tannehill and the Titans. So very interested to see how that plays out.
0: We end uh, the show on another somber note, the most recent news out of uh, Jacksonville's camp aside uh, from Peterson's petitioning for a Sunday game being denied. Uh, we, uh, former Jaguars guard Uche Wanieri has passed away at the age of 38, uh, started 104 games for the Jacksonville Jaguars where there's complete was a, uh, a key piece to the offensive line, uh, during Maurice Jones, Drew's heyday, uh, especially during his uh 2011 rushing title season. Uh a just a just a tough way to go out 38 uh much too young uh for this NFL team or you know, an NFL player or anyone. Uh we are <laughs> sadly reminded of the uh mortality associated uh with uh this game. Juan um, Yeri passed uh from a, uh, a I believe a acute uh, heart condition, uh, a heart attack, uh, tough tough loss for the Jacksonville Jaguars and the NFL community.
1: Yeah, uh, 100% uh and apologies for the uh verbal outburst from my computer there. I was making sure I uh, had pulled up uh, a couple things on one uh, specifically uh positive quotes from former teammates uh at Purdue, uh, Josh Ferguson, one of his teammates, said, my brother Uche was a great soul to be around and that he kept us smiling with a high spirit that was full of energy. Uh, and he said, in light of his recent death, I want to make clear that his presence has a positive impact on everyone he came across. Uh, and certainly nobody wants to lose life that young. And, and the Jaguars organization, our thoughts are with them. Our thoughts are with his family. Uh, and you know, all these guys have, uh, much bigger impacts on their communities than just the football they play. Uh, it was noted by the Jaguars in the press release with his death that he, uh, did play on that offensive line that, uh, helped Maurice Jones drew to a franchise record in rushing yards and also, uh, leading the league in rushing yards in that 2011 season. So certainly his accomplishments on the field were noteworthy, but, um, More importantly, the impact that he had on others is how he should be remembered.
0: That'll do it for us at the FO News Show. Uh, Thank you, as always, for listening. We apologize for the more somber note of today's show. But given the circumstances, it was certainly needed. We'd, as always, we'd like to thank our friends over at Underdog Fantasy for sponsoring the show did your season long fantasy teams miss the playoffs? Fear not play on underdog fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code outsiders play underdogs battle Royale, a fast six round weekly fantasy football draft with easier chances to win than traditional fantasy sports sites. You can even win $50,000. If you grab first place, you can also try their pick games where you can easily pick players chances to go higher or lower than projected stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting currently isn't available. Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around. Join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the app store and use promo code Outsiders now to double your first deposit up to $100. Thank you to our friends at Underdog Fantasy for sponsoring the show.
1: Yes. And Jackson's underdog fantasy pick of the week will be uh, the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Jones, who I expect to have a big game on Sunday Night Football. Kale's
0: underdog pick of the week. I think I'm going to go with Zay Jones. Uh, Helped me a lot in my season-long fantasy. Uh, Teams helped me miss Sacco. Uh, Huge for me because, yeah, I missed (laughs) the season-long fantasy playoffs. Hey. Let's see if he can do some good for me in a battle Royale in a traditional or in a uh, pick em game. Let's see. I'd also like to mention, don't forget to sign up to F O plus at football slash subscribe for NFL betting picks, fantasy advice, premium stats and articles and ad free experiences. Last, but certainly not least, you can join us on the F O discord. For in-game conversation every game, join us as we break down action on Saturday and Sunday. We had a rousing conversation in there about the 2021 draft class and how it will look in hindsight Uh, on top of getting some really uh, good information in there. It's full of some uh, awesome, awesome conversation every Sunday. Highly recommend it
1: plug in folks plug
0: in dial in chat it up in there that'll do it for us this week we will be returning uh throughout the playoffs for the latest on news from the remaining teams uh we'll be back next wednesday 1 p.m same time same place thank you as always for listening for jackson i'm kale we'll see you guys next week